Welcome to Ballistic Radio, the fastest growing gun talk show in the country. Join us. We're going to explore the topics of firearms, self-defense, and your rights as a law-abiding citizen. Ballistic Radio, presented by Blackfire Ordnance Group, makers of TNT and TNT Black. Firearms finishes so tough, you need dynamite to take them off. Now, here's your host, John Johnston, on 55KRC, the talk station. Good evening and welcome to Ballistic Radio, presented by Blackfire Ordnance Group. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com and get the latest behind-the-scenes info at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. Coasting with me this evening is absolutely no one because it's not actually this evening. Through some strategy and magicry on my part, we are recording the show um, just because I'm either going to be out of town at a class or busy with something else uh, when this airs. So wanted to make sure you guys had a show, wanted to make sure it wasn't a rerun, so that's what we're doing. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking with Ian Went of Special Circumstances, Inc. about knives. Uh, specifically, knives is a, an option for folks that can't carry a gun whether that's because of where they work at or where they live. Sometimes a firearm's just not an option. You don't want to be unarmed. So we're going to discuss that and some of the things that go along with that. Also, too, just a quick reminder, this segment brought to you by Colt. Colt, the legend continues. So a knife as a primary is an interesting thing just because I think most people's idea of knife fighting or knife self-defense is probably a little bit skewed mainly by what they see in the movies and TV, which I know is pretty much why everyone's ideas on something are skewed. But uh, So tonight it will be interesting to talk a little bit about design, implementation, and carry. So I will just, uh, I'm trying to think if there's any updates that are going to be pertinent a week and a half from now. I could make some guesses, but they probably won't be accurate, so I'm not going to do that. I am just going to get Ian on the line right now. So, joining us this evening, Mr. Ian Went from Special Circumstances, Inc. Ian, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good, John. Uh, thanks for joining me this uh, this fine, what day is it, Wednesday? I think it's Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday, yeah. I, I was just explaining to the listeners how we were, uh, through Magic Rian's strategy, recording the show a little early just to make sure that uh, they didn't have to listen to a rerun. So, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to talk about knives for people that can't carry a firearm for whatever reason um now just just as a full disclosure too now special circumstances inc is a knife manufacturing company would you say that's fair uh Uh, i mean custom knife maker yeah thank you custom custom knife maker now there is a business relationship between ian and i uh he is the one that is creating the ballistic radio edition uh maleficus centerline carry knife that we will be offering for sale shortly Mm -hmm. Uh, just just wanted people to be aware of that though i don't think there's any bias there really because it's really really hard to get me to have a bias anyway but just in the interest of full disclosure that does exist um and and wanted people to know that so just real quick um tell me a little about yourself and about special circumstances what you guys do or and when i say guys i mean you because it's one man shop right yeah pretty much okay well, uh, I've been pretty much in the knives my, most of my life, um, largely because of my dad, who got me introduced uh, into higher quality knives when I was fairly young, uh, much to my, my mother's dislike. But, 
started years ago. Basically, when I was still a kid doing the kick knives or, you know, bought a blade and put a handle on it and stuff like that. And then dabbled here and there until probably mid-2000s, like 2004-ish, 2005, where I started making my own. And that's actually how I started was with the, the carbon fiber titanium laminates, mostly because I really liked the Warren Thomas knives and I could never afford them. Right. So I make some for myself. And, and, and the rest is all history, so to speak. It, it led to a lot of experimentation and research and, you know, basically until I came up with something I thought was, was worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And it's just been a continual process of refinement since then, really. Yeah. Um, and, and for those, two that are not familiar with you, you've got a, a little uh, nickname that those of us that know you like to, <laughs> to call you the, the Bulldog of Science. Um, right. Can you explain that without getting into the 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 one issue that I'd rather you not get into? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we all know we can pretty much blame Paul Sharp for that one. Okay. Well, I blame uh, Paul Sharp for almost everything, especially the existence of glitter and yeah. men wearing shirts that are three sizes too small. But, oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, no, it was, it's probably something to do with the fact that I tend to get really bent out of shape when when people present bad information, Mm -hmm. especially from what appears to be a position of authority. Right. Um, I I really hate the stuff that gets excessively marketed to law enforcement and military, stuff like that. Because honestly, those guys have a hard enough time already. They don't Mm -hmm. need to, well, wasting their money on stuff that's not going to do what they think it will and could potentially get them into trouble. And, that leads also to me doing way too much research and spending way too much time and effort on debunking such things. <laughs> so, yeah, and that, you did really well not actually bringing that up. And, and there's, if you do any sort of research on the inner special circumstances, you could probably figure out what I'm hinting at. I just didn't really feel like uh, using, <laughs> using the show as a platform to officially take a side in that, even though I have a pretty official side. But anyway, um, we'll move forward just a little bit. So, sure and, and something else interesting, too, not everyone knows, you're not originally from, from the U.S., are you? No, I'm from Denmark. Ah, you speak English better than I do, sir. I am jealous. Well, I watched a lot of movies when I was a kid. There you go. I guess uh, that's, that's kind of how I learned it, too, I suppose. Um, so, I, I guess just moving forward a little bit. Um, as far as as far as knives go, and as far as knives as a, a self defense tool. Now, what you make are mostly self defense tools, wouldn't you say? Oh, we're pretty much exclusively at this point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. is that just why 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 focus on that as opposed to some of the more utilitarian designs? Out of curiosity. Well, honestly, there, there's. There are thousands of different knives on the market already by both factory and production and custom knife makers that are excellent for utility. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all these various high-end tool steels that are available now, I mean, they're doing stuff with, with steels that you know used to be thought almost impossible, which is great. Right. There is, however, not a whole lot of stuff that's really ideal for well, concealed carry or self-defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you see an awful lot of stuff I mean, that just 
obviously was done more for looks than anything else. Right. You know, and one thing that's also, I think, is enormously lacking with, with almost every production knife, and quite a few custom knives as well, is uh, the sheath system, which okay. so many of them are just, I mean, they're just useless. You can't conceivably carry these things concealed, which kind of makes them, well, less than ideal. Right. I suppose if you don't have it on you and you need it, that uh, that might be a problem. Now, we've got about 25 seconds left before we have to go to commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, something that you and I have talked about is whether or not a knife, if you actually were forced to use it, would do what you think it would do as far as staying in your hand. Most of the knives that you see designed for self-defense, would you say they're going to stay in your hand if you use them or not? Some of them will. <laughs> not all, though. Yeah, I mean, there, there are some of them that are well enough designed for that, but there's also some that definitely are not going to. Right. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, I'd also like to get your opinion not only on the knives that you make, but we'll we'll make it a fair discussion and discuss some other uh, other options for people as well. Right now, you are listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, presented by Blackfire Ordnance Group, makers of TNT and TNT Black. Fire finishes so tough, you'd need dynamite to take them off. Visit them online at blackfireordgroup.com. Also, this segment brought to you by Wather, Wather and the new PPX. So, before the break, we were discussing knife designs with Ian Went from Special Circumstances, Inc. I'm going to get him back on the phone and see if I've hung up on him or not. Uh, Ian, are you there? I am. Excellent. So... We were, we were discussing as far as a knife staying in your hand. And what I mean by that is, as far as if you were to use, utilize a knife in a self-defense situation, do you, do you think people have a good idea of how difficult or not difficult it would be to, A, utilize the blade, but also keep it in your hand? Uh, not really, no. Um, <laughs> I, I think I've... Just, just looking at some of the stuff that's that's popular right now, and I'm not going to name names. Um, you see a lot of stuff with some pretty qu- questionable grips, mm-hmm. um, where even the slightest bit of resistance would more than likely make the knife just go flying out of the hand, right. regardless of the shape or texture of the grip itself. Um, but you also see knives that are very much not designed to really stand up to those forces, and especially like I'm a big fan of push daggers. Right. But the vast majority of push daggers you see out there suffer from, well, two characteristics that kind of work together to make them, well, suck. Right, right. Uh, the tang or the neck from the, you know, that basically protrudes from the grip and then goes into the blade is often too long. And the grip itself is often too short or, well, not too short, too small, I should say. Right, right. And just not not a good shape to make it stay in your hand. Um, that all leads to basically now you have a long lever at the end of your hand, and you're either going to end up with an injury from it or you're going to end up with the knife coming out of your hand because it's just, well, it doesn't work. Right. Now, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit, and I've been presenting this from the, the standpoint of certain people can't carry a firearm for whatever reason. They're interested in self-defense, so a blade is something that they can do. But, but also, too, even if, if folks do carry a gun, a centerline knife is kind of handy in the case of a gun grab. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you've, you've done ECQC. Right. right. Uh, 
anybody who's done that would, would, would pretty much agree with that premise. Uh, I would say probably anybody who's trained with Paul Sharp or Cecil Birch or any number of other people at this point right. would probably agree that that is definitely useful. It was actually interesting to me just in the ECQC experience that I had. It was uh, it was not my best performance for for multiple reasons, but it, it it was interesting to me that the knife, um, you know, the training knife that I had that I carried centerline. And once again, in the interest of full disclosure, it was one of your blades that I had purchased yeah. from you. Um, mm-hmm. It was the only thing that I can consistently deploy when I was getting kicked in the head. Uh, or or had someone on top of me doing bad things, uh, phrasing. Um, You know, just it it was really interesting, though, to see how easy it was to get to it when the firearm was not an option for whatever reason. Um, So I I guess I'll sort of circle back around then. If if we're thinking of a knife as a self-defense tool, Mm -hmm. um, now in most... Most places, it needs to not be a self-defense tool. It needs to be something that you are carrying for the purposes of using as a tool as opposed to a weapon. I know Ohio is one of the uh, the, the places where you really can't carry a knife specifically as a weapon. Our concealed carry permit does not allow that. The nice thing is that the knife that, that I use from you, I actually use to cut open boxes all the time and... Um, you know, it's, it's my letter opener. It's it's I find uses for it all the time, and it's it's stood up very well to that. It, as far as for folks that that are maybe thinking about doing this or incorporating this into their you know everyday carry gear, what what should they be looking for? Should they be looking for a folding knife, a fixed blade knife? What are what are some of the considerations to take into account? Uh, folders are great for utility. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's what I use mine for. Right. And I pretty much always have a folder in my pocket and, you know, a fixed plate on my belt. That's that's pretty much my, my standard loadout. Um, the problem with these, like, legislations like that, like what you have in Ohio and there's similar stuff elsewhere, is that it's basically designed to just, well, be as vague as possible. Yep. Um, so they basically want to be able to throw the book at you no matter what you do. Right. Right. Um, as, as far as folder versus fixed blade for, if you're planning on using it defensively, I would always recommend a fixed blade Mm -hmm. every single time. Um, is that just because of the, the ease of deployment or maybe the, the fact that you're not going to be able to deploy a folder the way you think you're going to be able to? I mean, that's definitely a, a big component of it. Um, the folders have a tendency to not open up when you need them to. They have a tendency to end up flying out of people's hands, um, all because you're kind of compromising your grip in order to open the folder itself. Right. And you can get a wave folder like the Emersons and the Spydercos and so on, and those are great, but even that is not as foolproof as, as it probably should be. A right. fixed plate it's out of the sheet. I mean, it's in your hand, and that's it. That's all you do. Right. You know, just grab it and go. Right. And it, it actually makes life easy, too. For uh, I, I occasionally forget to clip things to my pocket. Um, right. <laughs> but the fact that I, you know, once again, I, I carry the, uh, the blade that I bought from you on my belt in the center line. It's, 
always right there. And the other nice thing, too, about using it as a tool, which I honestly think is is how you should use anything. You should get practice using it. Um, is I actually get, to repeat myself, practice drawing the knife, using it for things, putting it back without cutting myself, things of that nature. And also, too, I can make a, an argument that is valid that I'm carrying it for utilitarian purposes, and it just sure. it just happens to also work for the other thing if I were forced to, to use right. it for that, um, which I think is something that especially the, list, the local listeners should keep in mind. If you're going to think about incorporating a fixed blade as something you carry, you, you really need to be using it as a tool uh, that via happy coincidence would also be useful uh, in other situations. That's, that's really the, the only way I can say that or that I know to say that. And the other thing, too, is that do your own research. Don't just take my word for it and, and make decisions based off what you're comfortable doing and articulating after the fact. But, but as, far as, as far as the fixed blade goes, I, I think that when a lot of people hear, okay, carry a fixed blade for self-defense, they think of a big, you know, Sylvester Stallone Rambo knife. Is that what you're talking about, or...? No, of course not. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's great if you can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I mean, having a foot of steel at your disposal, that's, that's great. Um, but it's not really feasible for 90% of the population out there. Right. You know, um, and that's also one of the reasons why the vast majority of the stuff I make is they're relatively small knives. Right. You know, two and a half, three inches worth of blade, um, and that's it. And that's also something I focus on is trying to make them as concealable as possible because as far as I'm concerned, a defensive piece should really not be a visible one until it comes out. Right, right. And that gets into the whole open carry thing. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I guess we could briefly touch on that for a second just because I've I've had that conversation come up a lot lately, and this is a complete tangential thing. Um, so I apologize to the listeners that we're getting all juiced about us talking about knives and, and now I'm going to bring up open carry, which really is a divisive topic, um, among firearms owners, as well as non-firearms owners. I, I completely support everyone's right to do that. I think that it's great. I think that it is really important that we have the ability to open carry. I think that it makes a lot of sense for people that for whatever reason, where they live, concealed carry is not legal or not something they can do, but open carry is something that is really the only way that they are going to be able to carry a firearm. I actually even think that open carry is is a form of activism or demonstration is a good idea in certain circumstances, especially when done specifically in protest to certain things going on. I I don't know how I feel about the one guy that'll go out with his cell phone you know, camera running and a long gun shoulder just specifically to try and instigate an encounter with the police. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of that one. Well, I, I'm not either. You know, I I think that it's, like I said, it's one of those topics that that immediately gets people on edge. Uh, and we've only got about 50 seconds left, so it's kind of nice. I'm going to talk about this and then go to the commercial, and, and we'll forget we even talked about it. But... Um, once it, the other problem, it seems too, is that if you come out and say anything negative about open carry, it it gets turned into you're against open carry, and it's well, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm against open carry when done improperly. Um, not saying that I'm anyone to decide when that is or when that isn't, but uh, 
I don't know. That's probably kind of where you're at, if I had to guess, Justin, having talked with you before about that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, um, I just kind of, from a defensive standpoint, I don't like tipping my hand, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of one of the main reasons why I'm against it. Uh, and I also really dislike, I really do dislike this, you know, open carry activism where people carry long guns into Starbucks and stuff like that. Right. And that's, that's not how you, you know, win hearts and minds. Probably not. We've got to go to break, and and maybe I will spend another minute or two on this when we get back because I just thought of something. But uh, right now you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio presented by Black Fire Ordnance Group. Makers of firearms finishes so tough you'd need dynamite to take them off. This segment brought to you by TopGunSupply.com. TopGunSupply.com is your web source for fine firearms, parts, and accessories. True product specialists committed to delivering the highest level of customer support to you. They carry top-name brands including Ed Brown, Wilson Combat, Les Bear, Sig Sauer, and many more, as well as premium ARs. Whether you're looking to protect yourself, a first-time gun buyer, or a competitive shooter, TopGunSupply.com can satisfy your firearms needs. TopGunSupply.com, your premier source for Sig parts and accessories. So... Before the break, we were talking with Ian Went, and for some reason or another, we made the foolish, foolish decision to bring up open carrying <laughs> and our opinions on that. I've, I've got Ian back on the line, and, and something you said, Ian, that, that I think is maybe lost on a lot of people is you don't like tipping your hand. Right. Um, is that, and I know I've seen cases of even armed and uniformed police officers to get their guns taken from them. Um, it, it, is that mainly it? Is that most people, even people that should be thinking about it a lot, can't be aware of the potential or maybe are not aware for the potential of a gun grab? I think a lot of people probably have a notion that, well, they're too aware for something like that to happen, but reality of it is how many people, you know, stand in line at Walmart without necessarily paying attention to the people standing behind them in line. Well, and the other thing, and it's funny you mentioned that, there are certain social circumstances where, or certain social situations where it is completely acceptable for someone to be in your personal space. Oh, yeah. And if you turn around and stare them down while they're doing that, you might instigate a a confrontation that way too. Oh sure. Um I know there's actually been news stories too. I I want to say there was an open carry individual that they was was specifically targeted so they could steal his firearm. Well, yeah, I mean that's that I mean that's that could absolutely happen. I can't say I'm familiar with that particular story, but I can see that happening. I I'm gonna have to go to uh I wanna say it was on Gun Saved Lives. Um right. now this is gonna bar- bother me now. I'm gonna be madly Googling uh, when the show is over to be able to specifically cite what I'm talking about. And that's that's something interesting I've seen, too, a lot lately, is that the police officers around here, at least the ones that I consider to be savvy or maybe a little more informed than the average police officer, a lot of them are carrying fixed-blade knives now to defend specifically against that, aren't they? Yeah, I'm, I've certainly sold more than a couple to various police officers around the country. Okay. Um, it it kind of segues nicely back into the reasons why you would carry a knife. For, for self-defense. Now, 
going back into that, and we, we discussed briefly that deploying a folding blade is maybe not as simple as, as people think it is. Um, f let's say that for whatever reason, they are living in an area that they are limited to having a folding blade. What are some things that maybe they should be looking at? Uh, well, I would probably go with something that is a wave folder of some kind. Now, can you describe that for people? I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with the Emerson wave, uh, um, but for folks that maybe don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was invented by Ernest Emerson uh, back in the early 90s or so, early 90s, late 80s. And basically, it's a projection on top of, sort of a hook-shaped projection on top of the, the blade spine that catches the rim of your pocket as you pull the knife out of your pocket. Okay. And if you do it with sufficient vigor, um, blade snaps open and locks open. And then it's basically ready to go once you, you know, change your grip around or whatever you need to in order to, like, present the knife into your hand properly. Um, it's probably the single fastest way of getting a folding knife out of your pocket and open. Right. Right. It also requires the least number of motions to accomplish that, which is one of the reasons I do like it, even for just straight utility. Right. Um, and you can, of course, get specific folders, you know, folders that are designed for self-defense, like the Spyderclip Recall. Mm -hmm. That has a wave on it. Um, Spyderco makes a number of different ones. Ernest Emerson, of course. Uh, Kershaw, with their zero-tolerance line and their... Uh, Regular Kershaw line is going to have some out as well. That would be fairly good options for that. Okay. Uh, and you should also pick a folder that has a, a reliable lock. Um, now, do you think that's something that maybe people don't think about as much as they should? I'm, I'm sure there are. I mean, you go to Blade Forms, and there are you know thousands of nerds on there that <laughs> talk about lock geometry and so on. And those guys probably think about it, but. For average Joe, probably not. Why is that something that should maybe be on our minds? Well, you know, even just for utility, a, a strong lock is important, especially if you're using the knife okay. for, you know, for hard work or for heavy-duty stuff. Um, if the knife folds on you because the lock failed, suddenly you now have a bad injury to your fingers. Okay. Um, I've seen some pretty bad ones over the years, including some that led to a partial amputation. Huh. Uh, yeah, he ended up having a nice fold on him, and it basically went right into one of the joints. Oh. Joint. It was, it was pretty bad. So a strong lock is, is very important when it comes to taking a folding knife. Okay. So it, it, as far as that goes, um, I know a lot of people maybe are not as interested in you know, especially business people don't necessarily have the opportunity or the ability to clip a knife to their pocket where it's 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 visible on the pocket. It's pretty easy to tell. Is there any way around that? Or Well, there's a number of different things you can do. Um, some people do carry them inside the waistband of their pants, for instance. Okay. I've actually seen a, quite a few people do that. That can be a pretty decent way to do it. Um, I know there should be a, a product coming out fairly soon that will address a lot of those issues, um, not for me or from anybody I'm really affiliated with, but it should be worth watching for. I'm uh, I'm completely in the dark on that one. So, if, really, yeah, yeah. Apparently, I've been not hanging out the right places on the internet, which I've been accused of. 
The pocket panel? No. Wow. Yeah. Uh, for for folks that are maybe interested, and I know I'm going to look at it after the show. What what is that? Well, it's going to be released released by uh, Raven Concealment Systems. Okay. And is actually designed by uh, Chris Fry from uh, MDTS. I'm actually going to have him on the show at some point as soon as I can work out uh, when he's got free time. He's a busy man. Yeah, well, yeah, he is. He definitely is. But yeah, it's going to be a, it's, it's a pocket panel. It's a, a polymer panel that is curved to your body. Okay. And has mounting slots on it for, you know, mounting various things to it. So that could be an extra magazine. It can be a fixed blade. It can be a folding knife. Huh. Um, what have you. And I know quite a few people that have been experimenting with various prototypes for a while, and some really good reports come back on that. Well, and that's kind of interesting because that could have applications even if you're not necessarily interested in a knife. But I assume they're going to make a, a holster version that uh, will maybe keep a J-frame or something else tiny well, I mean, where it needs could, to be. You could strap a, a J-frame holster to it if you wanted to. It's designed to be extremely flexible. Huh. Well, see, you learn something new every day, and that's from Raven Concealment Systems, correct? Raven is supposed to be bringing it to market here pretty soon. Um, so, yeah. I will I will definitely, uh, hopefully I'll get to see one of those up at the Polypalooza conference that I'm going to talk about the beginning of the next segment. Um, so, so that's one option, carrying the knife inside the waistband, bouncing back and forth again, and we'll go back to the fixed blade. And you'd mentioned, too, the sheath. It being an important part of right. that, just from a concealment standpoint, or deployment, or both, or what should both. okay, what should people look for with that as well? Um, a sheath that allows you to get a full grip on the knife while the knife is still in the sheath. Kind of like a holster for a gun. Yeah, exactly. Imagine how that transfers over. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So a full a full firing grip on the knife, for lack of a better term. Fighting grip in this case. Okay. Um, basically, you don't want to have to, you know, you don't want to have to adjust. You don't have to change your grip. You know, all these fancy grip manipulations that you see a lot of martial arts artists do, they, they look cool in front of the mirror when you're Travis Bickling it up. <laughs> um, but that's a good way to end up losing the knife. Right. Um, so having something where you can just grab it and go. Um, that's definitely a, a big part of it. And also having a knife sheath that isn't enormous. And this is a personal pet peeve of mine when it comes to Kydex in general and Kydex makers and whatever. Is they, There's a tendency to make them just huge. Right. And that is not really conducive to concealing it easily. Okay. Or at all. Um, and, and by the way, that was an incredibly incredibly nice uh, taxi driver <laughs> reference um, for anyway sorry um, I, I'm easily distracted now we've got a minute left before we go to the, the break so is and you mentioned something interesting as far as some of the martial arts that once again without naming any names just because as much as I love getting hate mail I don't really feel like it is, is is most people's idea of knife fighting not challenged by enough force-on-force -force exercises? Oh, without a doubt. Okay. Without a doubt. I mean, that's, that's readily apparent, especially if you've actually been exposed to something like ECQC or, or 
any similar high pressure class. Um, a lot of the stuff is, is, is it's straight LARPing, honestly. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. We have to go to break right now. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, presented by Black Fire Ordnance Group, makers of TNT and TNT Black. Firearms finishes so tough you'd need dynamite to take them off. This segment brought to you by the Polypalooza 2 Memorial Training Conference. Join some of the top trainers in the country August 16th and 17th at the Raven Concealment Systems Facility in Northern Ohio, where they will be teaching some of the most vital self-defense skills that every armed citizen should know. Lesson Blocks will cover a myriad of topics suitable for shooters and students of all skill levels. All skill levels. This is a great, great starter class. For more information, click the Polypalooza 2 tab on BallisticRadio.com. Registration is only $250, and all of the money is going to benefit the Paul Gomez Children's Trust. Remember, click the Polypalooza tab on the BallisticRadio.com homepage for more information. Save the date, August 16th and 17th. Not only will I be there, but tonight's guest, Ian Went, will be there as well. So, before the break, we were talking with Ian about force on force as far as, I know a lot of people think of that in a munitions type environment where, you know, you're, you're maybe doing room clearings or things like that. Now, you had mentioned that a lot of the time some of the knife techniques that you see in are, are similar to LARPing, which I assume you mean live-action role-playing. That's exactly what I mean, yeah. We're we're both really big nerds, apparently. So uh, I'm a piece of it. Well, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> so, what, can you expand on that a little bit, as far as? Well, yeah. Um, it, it seems, at least from from looking at like one of the really popular systems out there right now, there's there's time information out there. I'm not gonna again, not gonna name names in the interest of cutting down on the hate mail volume. Thank you. Um, you see them do these various templates and you know, these sort of preset drills. Okay. And it's fairly obvious that just from the look of it, like one of them is there's this idea that they can like sever the abdominal aorta. Huh. And, they, and they do this with a vertical slash starting at the sternum and going down until, you know, you hit the, the, the pelvic, uh, the pubic crest. Right. And they do this one-handed and, you know, again, in a slash. So they're basically talking about, this is like a four-inch bladed knife or something. Right. So they're talking about cutting through not only the skin, but the abdominal muscle, uh, the peritoneal, the peritoneum, the stomach itself, which is a ball of solid muscle. Mm-hmm. Well, on then, some of us, on on people like me, it would actually probably be pretty easy to to well, get through. I, mean, I, I know. Yeah, I mean, the stomach sac is just basically a giant thing of muscle. Right. And that's not easy to cut through. None of those structures are easy to cut through. And because if you want to cut the abdominal aorta, you have to get all the way up to the spine. Right. You're not doing that one-handed with a slash. That's impossible. And that and it, just, it just shows you that they've never actually tried this. This is fancy. And I guess that would sort of carry over to maybe some of the other techniques that if you see, I, I think that it's probably a safe assumption because I know I get to look at a lot of different instructors. I actually have a lot of instructors approach me about advertising on the show. 
And, sure. you know, some of them I'm interested in, some of them I'm not after I see what they're teaching. But in, right. almost, in almost anything, if you have a little bit of knowledge, it's easy to pick up on things that are not well thought out. And maybe when, it's funny how when you notice one of those things, there starts to be a whole just skew of them behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, as far as force-on-force training and maybe someone's wanting to learn how to better defend themselves with a knife, whether or not that's in a, you know, a gun grab situation or just as a primary carry situation, if that's what they're limited to, what, where do you learn that sort of thing? What's, what's something to look for in an instructor? Uh, I mean, I, I, I'd say, you know, real world experience, cause that's a, that's kind of a buzzword. Right. Unfortunately, that's not always the case because you see a lot of guys who are badass operators. I mean, death on two legs with a, with a rifle or a pistol. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they start into the knife stuff, it's just okay. And that's not going to work. Right. And it's, it's tricky. Um, we also, unfortunately, see a lot of cults of personality around, which that's a whole different kettle of fish. Yes. Um, but probably something where they do incorporate a high level of, well, opposing will and malignant intent in their training. So pretty much competition between two different students where both are trying their very, very best to not get killed? You are going to have to basically, you know, jock up with your, you know, your cup and your mouth guard in your eye pro and go out there and try to stab the other guy with your trainer. Right. Um, without a preset drill or, you know, specific sequence of movements, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Because, uh, I mean, Flow drill and stuff, yeah, that's cool. It's fun. You know, it can be a good workout, but it's really not going to show you what's going to happen once they stop doing the drill. Right. Because the thug that's trying to mug you for your iPhone, and he's not going to be doing the drill. And I, I guess too, the the thing about that, and it's it's funny you mention that you know getting mugged, but there's there's a certain element of surprise in anything like that at least i would hope so because if you saw it coming hopefully you could avoid it but the the thing with preconditioned responses that seems to be a disservice to anyone teaching them is that they don't take into account the element of surprise or maybe something being a little different well i mean that's 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 a big thing for you know craig douglas and so on that the unequal initiative thing right right yeah you know, it's not going to start off with you and the mother squaring up, you know, West Side Story style. <laughs> that's, not, that's not how it happens. More Nine times out of ten, you have no clue what happened because now you're on the floor and you're bleeding because somebody just, like, whacked you. Right, right. You know? So, yeah, this whole notion of, of the duel is cool and all, but it's extremely rare. I think there, there was recently a video released of... Um... Oh, man, I actually want to say Chris Fry was the one that shared it on Facebook, but of two individuals that actually had a knife fight and there happened to be a cell phone camera out. I want to say it was in front of a a school, but it was interesting to yeah. see. I, I'm sure. 
And those from, from South Africa or something like that? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, and I don't want to guess just because I'll probably be wrong, and I don't like doing that. But um, <laughs> it was interesting, though, to see what mutual combat looks like when both people are armed with a blade and just how quickly it, it was over. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. and I, I know that, especially with some of the, the things I've seen on the gun side of things, I shouldn't be surprised how quickly a fight is over because usually the, you know, they don't last very long and violence of action wins the day. Yeah. But it, it was just, it was really intriguing too. And also hearing the description of some of the wounds that are created by a knife, are, they're really devastating or can be. Can be, yeah. Um, although there's there's some deception involved in that because what you'll oftentimes see when you see, you know, pictures of people in the ER with, you know, various knife wounds, mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of really large and impressive wounds. Right. And that's really what you get with, you know, somebody getting slashed really badly with, you know, like a kitchen knife or something, something similar sized. Right, right. It looks really, really bad tends to bleed quite a bit, but is very rarely actually fatal. Mm-hmm. Um, what tends to kill people, nine times out of ten, is getting stabbed. Right, which is a different, and, and I know it's uh, it, it's a different thing entirely, but yeah. for folks that maybe want to find out more, I know Craig Douglas teaches an edge weapon overview class. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be something to check out. Ian, I appreciate you joining me today. Um, it, it went quick, so... No problem. All right. Uh, For folks that want to find out more, you can look up Special Circumstances, Inc. on Facebook. They're certainly worth checking out. They're also going to be making something pretty cool for the show that we will be offering. Uh, Next week, we are going to be joined by Jeff Gonzalez to finally discuss the results of the Paleo Charity Challenge that him and I took part in. And we will announce uh, which one of us had the larger willpower. We'll also talk about some other interesting training things. Make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com. Also, like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe and see you next Sunday at 7 p.m.